Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Season 5, Episode 107, recorded Monday, March 20th, 2023. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health, and sustainability. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of Scooby Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. And also, welcome to spring 2023. We made it through the winter. And with the time change to daylight savings time, we can now look forward to a very busy dive season. Now, we did dodge a bit of dicey weather last week, but some parts of the state got hit with about two feet of snow. Yesterday, we got a shot of colder air. Winter here in New England didn't want to give up so easily. But now the forecast is for things to start warming up a bit. I'm looking forward to that. And speaking of things that I'm looking forward to, I just made my airplane reservations for our January 2024 trip to the Caymans when we're going to get back to the Little Cayman Beach Resort. I was able to get a really good price on tickets down to Grand Cayman. It's always a little bit of a mystery as to how the airlines charge, and you just have to be diligent in checking. And when you find that good price, make the reservation. I'm sure the tickets aren't going to get any cheaper. Right now, Dive travel seems to be hot, so if you're thinking about taking a trip, jump on it. Get out there and enjoy. Now on today's show, I want to do a little retrospective on the pandemic, but it's going to be a little bit different than what a lot of folks might be doing right now. I'm going to look at it through the lens of what the magazines were saying in the first quarter of 2020. But up first is Wet Notes, my news, information, and commentary segment. This is Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio for Monday, March 20th, 2023. First up today is some very good news coming out of the United Nations. You see, members of the UN have agreed on the International Treaty for Protecting Biodiversity in the International Waters. You might have heard about this. It's called the High Seas Treaty. Now, if this works, it's going to cover about two-thirds of the oceans and go a long way in helping us achieve that goal of protecting 30% of the oceans by 2030. We all know the threats to the ocean, destructive fishing, plastic and other pollution, as well as climate change. The High Seas Treaty is designed to foster large marine protected areas, or MPAs. It's also going to regulate countries and companies' access to the uh, generic marine resources, and it's going to make uh, research more accessible. Plus, it'll create global standards for assessing environmental impacts from commercial activities. So this is a step in the right direction, a very big step. But it's one thing for UN members to agree on the treaty. 
It's, however, an entirely different issue to have them act. Let's all hope they act and protect our oceans. Now, here's some troubling news regarding ongoing whale hunts around the globe. There was an article recently posted in the Underwater Times about how Norway and Japan continue to hunt whales. And this is at a time when there really isn't a demand for whale meat. For example, in 2022, Norway killed 560, yes, 560 whales. And that's the highest number in six years. And then when they surveyed the people in Norway, they found that only 2% of those surveyed actually ate whale meat. For people under 35 in the survey, that number was zero. So what does Norway do with this excess whale meat? Well, they ship it off to Japan. And guess what? The demand for whale meat in Japan is decreasing as well. So it's kind of hard to fathom why there's such a push to kill, the, uh, continue to hunt these whales. For me, tradition is just not enough of a reason for this indiscriminate killing of a threatened species. Several weeks ago, I told you about a new artificial reef off the coast of Florida on the Panhandle, and that's where they sunk the RV Manta. Well, here's some more news that's coming out of Florida regarding artificial reefs, and this time it comes from a news article published by the University of Miami's Rosenthal School of Marine, Atmospheric, and Earth Sciences. And this is where researchers submerged a hybrid reef structure off of Miami Beach. Now, this two-year project is called EcoReef, that's E-C-O Reef, and it's designed to protect coastal communities from ocean waves, increased flooding, and storm surge. Now, the official name of the project is Engineering Coastal Resilience Through Hybrid Reef Restoration. Well, on March 1st, they deployed two innovative reef structures. One is a hollow trapezoidal shape, and the other is something called Sea Hive Unit which is hexagonal. Now, these units are designed to mimic coral reefs and attract marine life. Both sit in about 14 feet of water and are about 100, or 750 feet offshore. The project started in 2018, and now that they are deployed, the research team is going to evaluate and then decide next steps. Now, it's great to know that so many people are trying to do something about the loss of our reefs around the world. And while I'm talking about reefs, let's get some news from REEF, or Reef Environmental Educational Foundation. They just released their 2024 schedule for their field survey trips. I got their email last week, and like always, they have a very full lineup. Let's see, there's a, a trip to Grenada in early 2024. Well, we're going to be in Little Cayman. And then if you want to get to the Galapagos, they're going to the, on the Galapagos Sky Liveaboard. You can also go to Utila, St. Lucia, Bonaire, Tobago, Malta, Grand Cayman, Dominica, Lembaugh, Indonesia, Cozumel, and you can even get to Cuba. And that's in June next year on the Avalon, Av Avalon Liveaboard. And that's where they're going to be visiting the Garden of the Queens. They're also going to Raja Ampat, another liveaboard. That's on the Blue Manta. That's in next stage, April, but that one's already sold out. So you can check out all the details and pricing on the website. That's quite an extensive schedule. 
Last week, our fourth element representative, Ashley, visited Scuba Shack. Now, this was in conjunction with the series of presentations that Fourth Element did on their products and sustainability initiatives. Not only do they produce some really great stuff, they are deeply committed to the environment through their Ocean Positive initiative. They focus uh, on zero waste, zero plastic, no single use, zero carbon by 2030, and zero impact with their support for initiatives like the Global Ghost Gear Initiative. Ocean positive products are those made from recycled materials and are made in a, from sustainable sources that reduce plastic. The presentations and our in-person visit were extremely productive and it renewed our commitment to this brand as we move forward. Now for some commentary. Several weeks ago, I participated in a survey that I think was being run by Darcy Kiernan of Scubanomics. And that survey is focused on getting uh, information on the dive industry. It is being labeled as a state of the industry study for the dive industry. So just where are we? I heard Darcy talk uh, about local dive shop models with Tech Clark on his podcast a couple of times, and he talks about the struggles we face. Now, this leaves me wondering just how long local dive shops will last. I'm not sure, especially as I get older and look a few years down into the future. Now, I just saw where one of our larger New England local dive shops, Mass Diving in Natick, Massachusetts, is shutting down after 35 years in business. They date back to 1988. Scuba Shack in Rocky Hill opened in 1977. Mass Diving's website said that they were the largest retail dive store in New England with a 6,500-square-foot full-service snorkeling and scuba diving center. So now what happens to all those local divers? No more gear service, no more tank fills, no more in-store equipment fitting or evaluation, and no more training of new local divers. Now, they're close enough to Boston, and I'm sure that someone will fill in, but the closing will definitely leave a void. But this will certainly cause a disruption for many local divers and quite possibly discourage new divers from joining our ranks. It will be very interesting to see the results from the state of the industry study. I think about the local dive shop model almost every day, maybe too much. Perhaps it is this model that makes the sustainability of the shop too challenging or a business that someone is willing to purchase. I have a lot of thoughts on how fragmented the scuba industry has become and how the industry expects the local dive shops to pull all those fragments together. Perhaps that is why, according to Mass Diving's website, they will close their retail dive center along with scuba training and focus on dive travel. I know that Donna and I have contemplated this approach as well. It is becoming more and more challenging to pull all the fragments together and take on all the risk. We could be headed for a time when local dive shops are few and far between. It could happen given all the economic pressures and then, what will the state of the industry look like? Well, that's it for this uh, installment of Wet Notes here on Scuba Shack Radio. It has been three years now since the world changed in a way we never thought possible. The world shut down. 
when the coronavirus pandemic hit in March of 2020. For many small businesses like us, it was an absolutely frightening time. When the state closed all non-essential businesses, we were not not sure if we could survive. The situation was dire. Now, the first two months of 2020 had been very encouraging. Our classes were full for the spring. With the shutdown, we had to refund all classes, cancel upcoming travel, and hope we could cover our bills for the foreseeable future. But that's all in the past, and there's been a lot of coverage about how folks survived. But I want to look back, however, from a little bit different perspective, through the eyes of the scuba magazines that were published right before the pandemic was declared. There are three that I'm going to focus on. Alert Diver from Divers Alert Network, the Undersea Journal from Patty, and Dive Center Business from Dive Training Magazine. Now, before I begin to look at these three magazines, there is one magazine, Dive Training Magazine, that I'm not going to be looking at. You see, I guess I, guess I got rid of all the copies that we had at the shop. Um, we used to get a box of the magazines so we could give them out to our customers. When we opened back up from the pandemic, we did not put out our magazine rack because of the risk of COVID transmission. Unfortunately, in my cleanup, I failed to keep a copy of that last dive training magazine. We didn't realize then that it would be the last edition of the publication. Now, that's a big loss for the scuba, uh, for scuba diving industry. It was a staple in our community with some great names contributing to the magazine. I and many others miss it immensely. Let's start our review of our three magazines with the first quarter 2020 edition of Alert Diver from Dan. The cover photo was a bandit sea crab taken by Stephen Frink on a coral reef off Tanjung Kalapa, Indonesia. That's in the band, uh, Banda Sea. The cover story was titled Banda Bound, with its subtitle From Ambon to the Forgotten Islands. There was also an article by Alex Mustard, Darwin Diving, the Philippines at its finest. Now, that was very timely for me. We had just returned from Atlantis Dive Resort, Dumaguete, which is actually in Dowin, in December 2019. It's an incredible place to dive, and before we left, we booked a shop trip for Dumaguete for October 2021. That seems so far off, and little did we know we wouldn't get back there until October of 2023. Everything was right with the world of scuba diving. Bill Zeifels from the Safety Stop article talked about Dan's history of helping divers and was packed with his usual great information um, in the magazine, including an article titled Finding Nemo's Garden offshore uh, from Noli, Italy, plus another article on how African dust is a mysterious coral killer. Alert Diver told us how the dive community was coming together to raise money for the victims of the Concepcion fire. Given the timing, there was no mention of anything related to COVID, a pandemic, or worldwide travel bans. In the first quarter of 2020, things were looking pretty good if you read the articles in Alert Diver. They could not have anticipated what a future would bring, especially when you review their Travel Smarter item from Dan Travel Insurance, which talked about handling unforeseen events when you're hundreds of miles from home. Now let's look at the Paddy Undersea Journal. The Undersea Journal is the official quarterly magazine of the Professional Association of Diving Instructors, 
The byline of the magazine is keeping Patty professionals informed, inspired, and involved since 1967. The cover story for the first quarter 2020 was titled Making Conservation Waves, Why Going Green is Good for the Planet and Good for Your Business. The inside cover of the journal boasted a two-page ad for Patty Travel, the most effective, powerful, and exciting way to start or boost your travel business. Little did they see the storm clouds ahead. Drew Richardson's message from the editor's desk was about uh, becoming a Patty torchbearer for the ocean and the sense of urgency needed to combat climate change. He told us that Patty isn't just about diving anymore. It has grown into a symbol for ocean stewardship, healing, and hope. There was an article on how dive masters can play a pivotal role in ocean stewardship by teaching the Project Aware specialty course. This issue of the journal was all about conservation, including short narratives on becoming situationally aware, making us better divers and protecting the underwater environment. The Undersea Journal also had a recap on how PADI members from around the globe gathered at the DEMA Show 2019 to check out the new tech and exciting destinations, celebrate friends and family, and unite behind PADI's message for the future of our planet. All seemed good from a PADI perspective. Everything would change, however, and it seemed to change overnight. The meteor of COVID was about to crash into our environment. The final magazine that I want to talk about is the February 2020 Dive Center Business Magazine. Now, I had the privilege of having a short article published in this edition. While I was at the DEMA Show 2019, I met with Catherine Castle-Garcia, who at the time was the executive editor of the publication. She convinced me to write something for, as I, for their As I See It feature. I wrote about how your mission is what sustains you. Wow. Little did I know how that would be tested. Catherine's editorial was titled, keep, Just Keep Smiling, and it focused on positive attitudes needed to succeed. Tech Clark also had an article in this edition discussing how the human-centered workplace can boost your bottom line. He titled it, People Pleasing as a Profit Strategy. Now, Dive Center Business was probably the only viable industry trade magazine available, and the publisher, Mark Young, had a section on operational information. And what was really interesting in that information is that most indicators for the survey was that, um, and, and the survey was in its 19th year, and most indicators were in the highest positive levels. 2019 had been a very good year for the economy, for consumers, business confidence, the market, and for overall consumer spending. We were all feeling pretty good. The magazine reported new flights to a wide variety of dive destinations. People, it seemed, wanted to go diving. Sadly, we lost Dive Center Business Magazine, and, uh, and, as, and that would be the, really the last issue. Mark did put out a short rendition just prior to the 2021 restart of the in-person DEMA show, but that's it. The pandemic cost us two very important publications for our industry, Dive Training Magazine and Dive Center Business. By the second quarter, the impacts of the pandemic were being felt and written about. In the Q2 alert diver issue, Bill Zeifels, uh, from the Safety Stop perspective, was titled, navigating the pandemic. He writes, 
the novel corona, uh, coronavirus pandemic has been one of the most widely life-altering events that many of us have experienced. While we have done what we can do to adapt to the virus, it will undoubtedly take time to recover from the disruption to our regular routines, even more so from the illness and loss of life that has spread throughout our communities, our country, and the world. In his conclusion to the perspective, Bill says, in addition to the changes to our lives, we struggle with uncertainty in the face of something we don't yet fully understand. What we do know, however, is that we will eventually come out the other side of this. We will have undoubtedly been changed. Little did we know way back then just how long, how impactful, and how divisive the pandemic would be. Now, it's hard to imagine now what it was like before March 2020. So I thought by taking us back to these publications released just before the pandemic started, it might give us a little reminder of what we used to call normal. March 2020 does seem like it was a lifetime ago. And at the same time, it seems like it was only yesterday. Fear and uncertainty gripped us all, and the pandemic changed us forever. Well, that wraps up episode 107 of Scooby Shack Radio. And once again, I want to thank you all for listening and for all of your continued support. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with more. And until then... Safe diving, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast supporting our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.